What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. Whatever you do, don't wake them up from their hypersleep. It's Sif Pop. I was having a good nap. <laughs> you ruined it. I'm just gonna call. I'm just gonna call my uh, my sleep every night hypersleep. Yeah, boys, I'm going into hypersleep. Leave me alone. It's so much cooler. Because yeah. technically that means you don't age when you're sleeping. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined, of course, by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! And every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture world is on our minds. And today's guru, he's back. It's John Paula. Woohoo! Go clap. Well, 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 <laughs> How you doing, man? Hi. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. I think this is my fifth or sixth appearance. You're a pro, man. Here. You are a SIF pop pro. Um, we're glad to have there's, you back, there's too. There's nothing I love more than ragging on crappy movies. <laughs> hey. I'll tell you what. Talk about one today. Uh, what were you saying just then, though? No, it's just it's always good to have you back on. I, I love your insights. Thank you. Um, uh, you are, and I've said this before, one of the most professional uh, YouTubers I've ever met. Uh, I love your shows. You are so professional that our local theater actually shows one of your YouTube videos outside of their I've been theater. To give that guy a call. Yeah, he go. he. It just it. We last time we went in there, um, it was just showing like on their big screen right out in front, and it just it just made me smile. And I, and so. I have to wonder if um, it was a rogue one too. I'm getting paid for any of that. Because I feel like they probably downloaded it illegally and then just put it on their own internal loop, and I'm not getting any revenue. If yeah. you copyright struck IMAX theater, <laughs> that would be the best thing in the world. Oh, don't don't put it past me. I <laughs> I have gone after people like that before. I have no qualms about it. Well, I am no, very you, vigilant in protecting my work. Well, you, and you should be. You're right because if they were yeah. if they were actually playing it off YouTube. And you were getting hits for every time that played on a loop outside. That's you know that's significant for you. But if they downloaded it and are putting it on a loop, that's different. That's you know stealing your work. So although yeah, to be fair, I don't I don't know about significant. Even if they played it on a constant twenty four hour loop seven days a week, that's at most a few hundred plays at uh, you know pennies on the dollar. So at most, if they've played it for a whole year, like you might have suggested. I might have missed out on ten bucks. Maybe. <laughs> okay, well that's what you should so, do. So, so like- I. Th- just I, I think I just want to be like, hey, I know what you've done. Give me a free pass to the next laser showing I'm going to. We'll call it even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's... maybe throw in one of those large popcorns and, you know, everything. I'll just I'll just look the other way and forget this ever happened. There you go. those laser tickets, they're expensive. Yeah, they you are. you got to pay for the upgrade, the 3D glasses, the whole IMAX. You, you up, upwards of 20 bucks, $25 for a single seat. And then you go with the family or the wife, and then it's like, all right, well, there goes $100 in one night. And all I saw was a 90-minute film. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, 
It is the next thing, and it is beautiful, but it is expensive. That is for sure. Yeah, I saw Why? Doctor Strange in laser. That was the only thing I've seen uh, pretty much this year in that format, but it was it was a good one. Yeah, yeah if really you had to pick one, that. that one or Rogue One, they were both great. Yeah. Yeah. I might I might go back and see Rogue One again. I saw The Force Awakens twice, and my second screening was at Laser, and that was a good way to see it the second time. Oh, yeah. I didn't have to focus as much on the plot or the dialogue. I sort of just sort of appreciate and just sort of soak in all the visuals, and that was nice. Yeah, I had a very similar experience. My second viewing of uh, A Force Awakens was in uh, Laser as well, and it was absolutely amazing. But it was not at the one here in Branson. No, it was in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that was my first. Oh, you went to you went to the TCL. Yeah, that was my first uh, laser experiences was at the TCL last uh, January. And I saw, um, yeah, saw The Force Awakens. So fascinating. Gorgeous theater. I love that place. Absolutely beautiful. There's there's a reason there is the reason why I quote, quote unquote, film my movie night show in the Chinese theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. It's the prettiest. It's the prettiest theater in the world, in my opinion. Absolutely. Great looking place. All right. Well, let's get into some pop culture talk uh, for this week. Okey we're going to, of course, uh, go through it. We've got, we're going to talk about Passengers. We're going to briefly talk about uh, Assassin's Creed and Sing as well. Uh, we're going to do a Best Ever Challenge today, a big one. Best mm. sci- science fiction movies ever. So that's a big category. We'll get wow. into that in, uh, in that. And then, uh, of course, we'll end with Buried Treasure. But we like to start with a little bit of Do We Care? Uh, so Andrew will read some pop culture headlines for us, and uh, John and I will say if we care to talk more about them. Before yep. you begin, Andrew, is it bad that at the end of 2016, I reflexively just want to say, no, no, I don't care? <laughs> yeah. Let's just get out. I just, like, automatically, that's that's my gut reaction is, I don't really care about anything. I just want this to be over. I just remember, but, uh, I keep coming uh, back to that Golden I, I'll Globes. I'll humor you. What do you got? <laughs> I keep coming back to the Golden Globes with Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig, where it's like, you get out of here. That's how I feel about 2016. <laughs> Just get out of here. But every single week, we have three Do We Care topics that we go over, see if we care or not. First one up, Denis Villeneuve, director of Prisoners, Arrival, and the upcoming Blade Runner 2049, is being eyed to direct the remake of Dune. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Can I admit... This this is... This is serendipitous. I just saw the original Dune last week for the first time, and I was not a fan. Oh, the movie? I, no, I don't. But... I don't. I I don't know if that movie is salvageable unless it's a miniseries. There's just so much in it. There's so much world building. I feel like you need a longer eight nine hour experience to really do it justice. Yeah, that's interesting. The you book s- is great. Though. That's interesting you say that, John, because I was just going to admit I haven't seen Dune. I've I've never seen it, and so it's just one I haven't taken the time to go back to, and so it remains on my list of shame. But I've never seen Sting prancing around everywhere fighting I, I have, oh my gosh that was i had to rewind it i was just so i just there was something about like wow this is uh i wish i saw this earlier there, there's <laughs> there's some intrinsic um i don't know uniqueness and flair and memorability to the movie it, it does feature patrick stewart riding a giant space worm into battle yeah it does. before he was ever in star trek uh, and a lot of familiar faces, Brad Dorif and Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Um, and, and Sting. Like, which, Sting. Like, <laughs> and Sting. Um, so it, it's an interesting movie, but it's also like really, really bad. It, there's so much going on. So much. I mean, the movie opens with like a three minute floating head just delivering verbose <laughs> exposition to get you yeah. caught up. Is it and it's, Max like, if, it's like if the Star Wars. It's like if the Star Wars text crawl was a floating disembodied head in space that continued for five more minutes. But and it, it was just like proper noun after proper. And it's like, this is what is going on. I'm already checked out. Yeah, but if you read the book, can, you can know there's a lot of potential there. There really is for but a good there is. movie. I, I, I like the idea. I like the property. I just don't know if it can be done in a two-hour film. What do you feel, Andrew? What do you think? Uh Denis Villeneuve is more than proved himself to me as a director who can take sci-fi and adapt it into a brilliant story that everybody can enjoy. So do you believe that almost any story is salvageable by the right person? Absolutely. I kind of believe that, too. I kind of feel like the most important thing... I mean, you you would have to adapt the story, but, I'm, but the most important thing is the brain and the energy behind it rather than the actual source material. There's always somebody out there who can take a uh, a piece of writing and make it brilliant for the film. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think I, I think I go with that, too. Next right. one up. This one makes me so happy. Zack Snyder is taking a break from directing DC films after this year, next year's Justice League movie. <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo! 
Thank you, God. Oh, you are good. up there. I, I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm with I you, too. I just hope whoever... I just feel bad I, for I, Zack Snyder. I don't. He's ruined DC. <laughs> he hasn't ruined it. We just said any property can be saved. Yeah. It, and it is Not. being saved because he's being taken out until 2020, I think, is he's taken a five-year hiatus from DC. He's making a war film and that has nothing to do with DC, so... After this, they're gonna. Have that to be seems maybe like it'll be more his style because I, I hope whoever replaces him just has a propensity for saturation because something that those movies are are sorely lacking is just color. Yeah, there's no color in those movies, and there's it's no super yellows, bright blue, red cape, <laughs> yellows, and you see him on screen, and and Henry Cavill looks like he's just uh, wearing a muted gray suit with like chest pads. It's, yeah. There's, there's not, and it's a comic uh. book. It's a, it's supposed to be colorful. It's supposed to be bright and flashy and fun. And he just zapped all of the energy out of those movies with, like, the most serious, gritty version possible. And and there is, I think, a time and a place for that. The Dark Knight succeeded in the dark and gritty, but I don't know. That's because Batman uh, himself is dark and gritty. There's yeah, too many polarizing the, people in DC for you to make everything dark and gritty. Well, yeah, I watch uh, I watch the one DC TV show I watch is uh, The Flash. Uh, and I've stuck with the Flash because it's bright and fun, and I love those like those people. The guy that I'm still upset that they didn't cast the guy that plays the Flash on TV in the movie because I think he is Grant Gustin. Gra- I think he is great, so good. Uh, and when and I, I guess that's not true. I guess I watch Supergirl too. I still watch Supergirl as well. You don't watch Arrow. That's the one you don't. Correct. Watch, right? I don't watch okay. Arrow. I don't watch Legends of Tomorrow. Um, but they just did a crossover with all of them, where mm-hmm. they were all in the same episode. Yeah. Um, and when Supergirl and Flash are together, I love. Like, I'm just like, that's the that like that's the team up I want to see. Like, I'm yeah. just not excited about this Superman and this Batman, you know, doing stuff together. It just doesn't. I don't know. So yeah. I'm I'm excited. Maybe somebody will give it a little new life. Yeah. That should be good. Finally, I hope so. I, I think fresh fresh perspective is never a bad thing. Absolutely. Yeah. At, even if it fails, at least we got to see something different. Yep. All right, finally, YouTube star Adam Salee was kicked off of a Delta flight for speaking in Arabic to his mom on the phone. Ugh. Passengers aboard the flight claimed that they felt uncomfortable with Adam and his friend Slim, and they were removed from the flight. Now, there's two sides to this story, apparently. First off, do we care? Uh, oh, absolutely. I think we have to be very vigilant about continuing to care about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Adam Salee is that. known as a huge prankster. Mm-hmm. and the video only started recording after Delta was escorting them off of the plane, so we don't know if what they were doing before was actually antagonistic, caused, antagonistic yeah, or anything. Sure. But I don't know. Obviously, there were people who on, who were on the plane in the video, and they were like, let them speak in whatever language they want. This is a free country. And then other people on the plane were, get them out of here, get them out of here, stuff like that. So obviously, this is a huge issue right now because... Technically, there is no right to fly. And right. Delta can absolutely take anybody off their plane for any reason they want. But morally, this is a huge issue. Yeah. So. Um, there have been stories, in a, you know, and like you said, if he's a prankster, that puts a little bit of a, a shadow on this story for me because, like you said, I would like to know exactly what, what he was doing. Was, was mm-hmm. he trying to, you know, appear... You know, nefarious I, I think, or weird. I think or... what what uh, what you're doing, Aaron. You're you're attempting to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and yeah, based yeah. on the based on the few things I know about this kid, we don't. He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. And it's it, it, all pranksters, in my opinion, are not very talented. And some of them have found great success, and good for them. But like this guy, particularly, some of the things I've read that he said uh, is just, I am not a fan. And if he got kicked off a flight, I am inclined to believe that he probably did something to deserve it. Uh, but, but at the same time, if, if but if there's any truth that he got kicked off just for speaking Arabic, um, it's disheartening and it's sort of uh, demoralizing that we keep experiencing this in 2016. But unfortunately, it's also not surprising. Yeah, I was uh, given who we just elected president. Like this is kind of the culture we live in now. People yep. are xenophobic, almost almost to a, like a prideful degree. And it's alarming. Like people are proud to be racist, and that's like what is going on. I would the only so thing- yeah. Either way, whether he's telling the truth or he's or he's exaggerating, both situations I'm not a fan of. So a couple things in response to that. Uh, number one, uh, I will say this has happened to people who aren't pranksters. Yeah, uh, there have been stories mm-hmm. of 
you know, those, um, you know, of uh, Arabic descent or whatever being taken off planes because people weren't comfortable with, you know, that they were writing in Arabic or that, the, you know, they, they were wearing, um, you know, Islamic kind of clothing or whatever. So it does exist. The other response I would oh, have. absolutely. The other response I would, would have uh, to what you said, John, though, is and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too much of an optimist. I think we continue <laughs> to let the the idiots in the extremists uh, appear to be greater than they are. Uh, and I think there has been some emboldening that has happened this year because of like that is, you, a, that is an excellent word. You, you mentioned Trump or whatever, but I think I think we are hearing loud voices from what is still very, very, very much a minority of people who I would agree. So well, I, the I minority is always the loudest. And I, I just want I just want you know it's so difficult, right? Because you want to continue to say, look, this is wrong. It's awful. Xenophobia is very dangerous in. You know, uh, there's just a judgmentalism in it that can be really dangerous in a lot of ways as we continue to separate ourselves based on, you know, whatever the case may be. And at the same time, when I look around at my immediate world, for instance, I was just on a plane uh, last week from Los Angeles. And in just the three rows around me, there was an older black man talking to what looked like, a, you know, an Arabic teenager. There was, you know, and they were having great conversations, uh, you know. Uh, I was talking to the, you know, the homosexual next to me. We had a great conversation. You know, it's just these ways we separate ourselves from what I see in the world directly around me. Most people get it. Most people understand humans are humans and to treat each other with respect. And it's just unfortunate that those who don't get it are so loud. And the other thing is nobody's going to make and a I think film on YouTube about good things happening on a plane. <laughs> You're never going to see that video pop up on YouTube. I had a brilliant flight. Everybody was kind and gentle and caring and respective. You're never going to see that YouTube video. You're only going to see these. So that, you know, limits greatly your view on the world to only negativity. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, good. I've, in, I've enjoyed uh, Sif Pop Political. Maybe we could. Yeah. Sif, <laughs> Sif Politic. Uh, there for a second. Uh, no, that's always good. Listen, I don't fear talking about anything on this podcast. Yeah, we're pop culture. If if you uh, you know come for pop culture talk and you hear you know those kind of things and that bothers you, I apologize. But I mean, we're just we're human beings doing a podcast, and you know, there's a whole gamut of things and, that intersect. Intrinsically, that's uh, critics are very intertwined with politics. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think it would be a, a disservice. If we weren't mindful of our worldviews, incorporating them into our thoughts on everything else. And Amen. I think Roger Ebert once famously said something very similar to that. Like, uh, people always say, like, oh, you're a critic. You should shut up. Don't talk about politics. But it's like, I'm exactly the type of person who should because I have an outlet. People respect my opinion. And if it pertains to anything that matters in my life, movies or politics or whatever, I, I think I have a responsibility to speak on that yeah. issue. And obviously, it's important to be mindful that you don't go overboard or jam your opinion down someone else's throat but i think to ignore it entirely is just um kind of like sticking your head in the sand and hoping the problem goes away totally agree on to passengers mm. hello is anybody here do you know what's going on nobody else is awake we woke up 90 years too soon this can't be we have to go back to sleep. Who wants to sleep on a beautiful day like this? Passengers. Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence uh, star as a couple of people uh, taking an interstellar voyage amongst other people's as well. Uh, we'll try to stay as far away from spoilers as possible, not only for you, but also for John, who hasn't had a chance to see it yet. Oh, okay. Um, but we do want to talk a little bit about the movie, kind of what we thought. And John, you will play the role of uh, asking non-spoiler questions that you might be curious about or, you know, want to know about the film. Uh, so let's start with just general thoughts. Andrew, did you like it, love it, hate it, didn't like it, or it was just okay? It was just okay. Okay, so you were right, kind of right down the middle? Yeah, even kind... Yeah, just okay. I liked it. Strong liked it. Liked it. And what's interesting about that... Really? Uh, yes, and here's... Here's what I do uh, as far as kind of seeing what other critics think. I will write my review first before I go anywhere, before I go to Rotten Tomatoes, anywhere like that. Yeah, sure. These, that's, that's always a, a, keeps a you good unbiased. idea. I can't always help myself, but I, I try to do that blind if I can. I, I find it... Because it's, it's hard not to be influenced by what other people think. Exactly. And, and these moments are the reasons I do that, because I am forced to confront that I really liked a movie, 
that most critics didn't like. And, you know, after I'd written my review, I went to Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like at 31%. Wow. And I it kind of blew my mind. I was like... It's not that bad. <laughs> I, well, I hope not, because I really had a good time. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start since since I, I enjoyed it with some of the things that I liked. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt were made to do movies together. I thought they were great together. I disagree on that part. Uh, and maybe maybe that's the primary disagreement yeah. uh, that a lot of critics might have. But I thought their chemistry was really good. They are both so charming and likable as people that I you when know, I when I first heard about the the casting for this movie, that was what had me most excited because they seem very very type A and they seem like they'd be the perfect match. They're both jokesters and they're both really jovial and. I don't know, bubbly is a good word, charismatic. And yeah. more than anything, they're both really, really easy to look at. So I was like, this seems like a match made in heaven. Let's see what they can do with it. And so I, I don't know. I'm I, I I'm very interested uh, because I'm hearing conflicting things about it. And I want to like it. When I heard about the movie and the premise, I'm like, this looks like a movie I'm going to love. It has two of my favorite actors. It's a really cool sci-fi premise. But uh, I don't know, Andrew? Yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about why the chemistry didn't work for you. Um... Because honestly, this this isn't spoilerish, but it's going to sound weird saying this movie would have been so much better if Jennifer Lawrence was not in it. Hmm. If this was just Chris Pratt, the only one, this movie would have been astronomically better. Nice, I, nice play on words there with astronomically. You know. That was total <laughs> happenstance. Didn't even mean to do that. Just, just, you just claim it. Just yeah. claim it. Oh yeah. There you I, go. There you go. Now I'm you got it. Punning all day long, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but no, if this was just Chris Pratt and you made this movie more on, along the lines of like Moon or Castaway, I think this movie would have been so much better. I would like to see that movie. I will agree with you that that could have been a great movie. I will disagree with you and say if I were to pick one, I would have picked Jennifer Lawrence. Really? Uh, I thought her performance was better than his in this. No, um, that's interesting. There are that some, is interesting. There are some moments in this where she blew my mind with her performance. She is asked to do some things, some really confusing, um, like moral quandary things in this movie to react to. And, and uh, again, without giving anything away, I, I thought it was incredible how much I bought into what she was feeling. That's fascinating because I feel that way about Chris Pratt because <laughs> at the beginning of this movie, he has to make a choice about something. Yes. And I've never seen him better as an actor. No, I, I would agree with that. I, I thought he was great too. I just thought she had moments of what I would say were award-worthy moments. I thought for I, I thought she was overacting in parts. This Did is you? crazy. This is crazy. Well, you know, sometimes, and we've talked about this before, too, and it's part of what I love about movies. Sometimes you're just in the right mood for a particular movie. Yeah. And that may have been it for me. I may have been just in the perfect mood to see this movie. I, I think I, I'm, I've been really interested in exploring that phenomenon because I feel like there are are certain movies where I sit down and I watch them and then, and I come out of it thinking, I didn't get anything out of that. I'm like, was I just in a bad mood? Right. Whereas like there was another day where I watched Dances with Wolves at the end of like a seven-movie marathon. I had been up for like 18 hours, and then I put in a four-hour Western epic. I and say, I loved the crap out of it. Like, 15 I of those it. hours is Dances with Wolves. <laughs> and, and it was one of those things like, this, this is not a formula that should have worked. I should have fallen asleep. I should have hated it. I should have been bored out of my mind. And but I came out of it going like that so impressed me, and I wonder like had I watched that in any other environment, if I was like awake and more cognizant, would I have been like ah, I'm going to check out? But there was something about it where I was just like, just let it happen, man. I just want to watch this. Was it your first I, viewing? I, for whatever of reason, I was like more. What was that? Was it your first time watching Dance with Wolves? Or had yes, you seen? Yeah, it was. Oh wow, okay. No, I had never seen it before, and that's that was my point. It was like I. I feel like normally at the end of a long day, I would be less inclined to watch a long, long movie. But for whatever reason, that one was like, it, it hit me and it was really powerful and I loved it. One of the best movies I've ever seen. Whereas yeah. I feel like if I'd watched that on another day, I would have been like, yeah, it was whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of discussion. Like maybe you were just in a different mindset than uh, than Aaron was. Well, and um, and I will say, and I guess I'll go into my next point about why I liked it because I, I think a lot of it has to do with this point because i absolutely love 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 movies that are heavy on what would you do in this situation things and this movie has so many of those situations and i most love them when they aren't easy answers and and so because your brain is constantly engaged in oh would i do that you know would i make that same choice oh what would the consequences be if i had made a different choice you know 
Uh, what if One she of my maybe... favorite examples of that is uh, Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Yes. I was doing that the whole film, and I loved it. Because the whole it feels like I could be in this situation, and I feel I could be making the same choices, but they'd be difficult ones. Yeah. And that's what I, I connected with it. So I totally get that. And my wife and I talked all the way home about the what would you do kind of stuff. <laughs> The and, choice thingy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, and there's a couple, there's two or three like major choices in this movie. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh. And, and so when my brain is engaged like that, I think I'm very, very susceptible to forgive a lot uh, because I'm just, I'm in it. You know, like my brain is in it. I, I think that's one thing I'm learning about myself through this whole, you know, uh, movie reviewer critic kind of thing that my life has, has gone into is I'm learning I, I watch movies with my brain first. You yeah. know, like, if I can be intellectually stimulated, I'm going to have a great time. And not that my eyes don't get into the party. I love it, you know. And In fact, I, I love the visuals in this movie, too. I was too. about to say, the one thing we can agree on is how visually beautiful this movie is. Yeah. Wow, is that impressive. It was, it was absolutely stunning. But I, I'm just, I'm learning that when my brain is engaged, I'm really able to forgive a lot and or or just ignore maybe possible weaknesses that I might see otherwise uh and and that you know that that locks me into the story that way mm-hmm. the the other part of that is where my brain was engaged was not just with the you know kind of what would you do stuff but I also liked the vision of this world like the idea of what uh you know colonization could look like in in space and what that might mean and and those kind of things so I felt like it was a well thought out world that made a lot of sense you know what else is funny? I just realized neither Chris Pratt or Jennifer Lawrence had my favorite performance of the movie. It was Michael Sheen. Was it? Yeah, he was great. He was the best part of this movie. Yeah. Not taking any, anything away from Chris Pratt, who I thought was better than Jennifer Lawrence, but every single time that Michael Sheen was on, on the camera, you knew it was going to be a fun scene to watch. Yeah. Um. I, I can't wait to talk spoilers with you about yeah. this because there's some things I, wa- I definitely want to talk about. But um, but let's just, for the sake of non-spoilery stuff, uh, kind of move on. To dislikes? Yeah, unless you have another like that you would like to, you know, to bring up. <sighs> okay, so I went into this movie with a, a general idea of how I thought it was going to play. Mm-hmm. And then a twist came during the very beginning of this movie, and I was like, wow, I did not expect that to be the way this movie was going to be playing out. Mm -hmm. So the twist in this movie did surprise me and impress me because that's a very awkward movie to make. Mm -hmm. So I I applaud them for that. Yeah, in in the live comments, uh, Spartan967 says, maybe it's because of the casting, but I figured this would just be a generic throwaway blockbuster. And that is one of the surprises going into this, is it's not a generic throwaway blockbuster. It's actually more of an art film in some ways, in what it's trying to deal with and what it's trying to, you know, it's kind of got the, 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 the drapings of a summer blockbuster with kind of the, the heart of kind of an, an artsy think piece in some ways. So it's kind of interesting. And maybe that's part of what doesn't work too. Maybe there's, there's conflicting movies here that don't go quite perfect together. And my, one of my first negatives, another movie they try and throw in here is a sappy romance film. Yes, that is my major negative. That it's, it's so cheesy in some parts. It's it cringeworthy. Is, it is. It's, and it doesn't have to. It didn't have to be. Yeah. It's over the top with the... the it, I, I thought it was very soap opera-y. You know, oh, yeah. it, just, it felt like a soap opera at times, and it's just like... It didn't have to be that. Yeah. And so they, I totally agree with that. That was my major negative. Yeah. Um, I'll just say this just very, very generically. The ending of this movie, atrocious. It's bad. Very bad. Whenever... I, got to- I disagree. Really? Well, unless... And again, <laughs> when when we go into spoilers, maybe we can get more specific. Sure, sure. Because I'm trying to figure out why you think it it's so bad, but... yeah. Okay, I yeah. kind of liked it. I hated it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you'll have to stay tuned to the that's, spoiler cast to find that's out. That's the main reason why I can't say I like this film. Oh, and interesting. And it's just okay as that ending Interesting. Is I wonder so if you bad. caught something that I, I didn't. I'm very fascinated by all of this, and I can't wait <laughs> I think what's fascinating is I, how... I thought, maybe you, I thought maybe you two would sway my opinion, but Aaron's pulled me one way and Andrew the other. So like, I, <laughs> I think that's why this is so interesting, is because we're so polarizing right now. Yeah. That doesn't often happen. It's, it's, not, it's not often you, you get two people from sort of similar backgrounds disagree. Uh, it's a good strongly. dinosaur all over again. <laughs> well, the good dinosaur was a very specific part about the theme. <laughs> that, that's so, true. That's but, true. <laughs> um, but yeah. 
Uh, no, I love it. I, I love that we can have differing opinions. And like I said, apparently most people agree with you, Andrew. So, really? you know, Woo! Um, as if Rotten Tomatoes is to be believed. Oh, I thought you meant in the chat. I, oh. was, looking, I <laughs> no. was looking for my people, but they're, they're nowhere to be seen. John, did you have any uh, questions you wanted to ask about the movie? Any, you know, kind of insight you, you wanted to go into? Um, I prefer to go into movies as, as ignorant as possible. Um, so I guess my only real query was whether or not um, it's worth spending money for. I would say yes, and Andrew would say no, probably, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, I honestly, I think that for the visual spectacle alone, this is definitely worth seeing in a theater, because that in itself is impressive beyond a lot of films this year. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting enough. because we're coming off of Arrival very recently, yeah. which is another movie that tries to be both big sci-fi Mm-hmm. As well as a think piece, you know. So there's there's some yeah. similarities there. I would actually say Passengers is more visually stunning than Arrival was, and Arrival is more intellectually stunning than Passengers was. Yeah, is that, is that fair? Because I don't think Arrival is trying to be this big grandiose right. visual spectacle where right. I think Passengers is. Yeah. So definitely, exactly. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Well, let's move on to a couple other movies that uh, one of us uh, has seen. And we'll start with you, John, since you were kind of on the sidelines on that one a little bit. Tell us what you thought about Assassin's Creed. Will it finally break the video game movie curse? There has been good video game movies. (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) I am am, um, uh, embarrassed to report that it is a resounding no. Not only was this a, a, a disappointment... In the video game genre, this was just a disappointment to fans of the series. It was such a, a letdown on what was a, a really intriguing source material. Have either of you played any of the games? In a the lot of them. I've played a lot of them. I have seen, I've been watching my son. My son has recently picked up several of them and has been going through them, my oldest son. And so I've, I've kind of been watching, but no, I haven't interacted in that world. Uh, well, well, the, the TLDR uh, is that... Uh, the most of the narrative, 95% of the gameplay of this 15-hour experience on any one of the games, takes place in the past, whether that's the Crusades, the Renaissance, or England in the 19th century. And this entire experience where you play as an assassin parkouring around rooftops in Italy is bookended by present-day uh, science lab exposition. The Animus. Where your character is ex- is experiencing everything through a device called the Animus that allows him to relive the memories of his ancestor. And these are just sort of short little vignettes at the beginning of the story in between every like three or four hour chapter that give you a little glimpse of the sort of the future in the present day world and why everything sort of ties together. It was an interesting thread that gave the games a little bit more context. But truthfully... I only ever had fun when I was being an assassin. I like walking around in the lab without the ability to jump, attack, or do anything but talk to one character was pretty boring from a gameplay development, but it did forward the story. So I was surprised to learn um, that this particular movie decided to basically take that one element and do that for 80 to 90% of the runtime. So that's what I heard. So if you like the parkour, if you like the stunts, if you like action, if you like the assassin stuff, See another movie because it's barely in this one. <laughs> oh, that's too a bad. Good, this is this. This is like a two-hour and ten-minute film, and well, actually, the credits are really long. It's like eleven minutes of credits, so wow. maybe two hours. And I don't know why they were so slow. I, I sat there in the theater. I wanted to wait till the end. I tr- I try to watch credits at movies, and I was like, I gotta get up and leave. This is boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, director Justin Kurzel did uh, a real a huge disservice. Like instead of adapting the source material, he ignored it. And the writers came up with a completely flat and uninteresting plot that involves around this sort of magical MacGuffin that will eliminate violence, violence all over the world. And all these really talented people, Brendan Gleeson, Jeremy Irons, Marion Cotillard, and Michael Fassbender, right front and center. And like all of these people between them, two Oscars, a couple Emmy Awards, and they just sit there like lifeless meat bags, just spouting all this dry exposition about world domination and technology and prisoners and, and it's just the only the only excitement happens when he goes back in the animus and we see this assassin uh sort of in his natural environment rather than the present day stuff but even the uh assassin sequences uh they're just cut so heavily it felt like i was watching that fence jumping scene in taken three 
it, there was just <laughs> oh, like no. an overload. There was an overload of uh, of cuts. It was just like a, a very edit happy experience. Where yeah, they were like horseback uh, riding. There was there was a chase between a horse and a uh, a stagecoach. And he sort of parkours from building to building to get onto the stagecoach as it's driving away. They're jumping off these huge ledges and buildings being chased by the police. All really exciting visuals and stunts. It looks gorgeous, period accurate stuff. But you don't get to appreciate it because every time any action happens, you see it from four different angles. And it's like, just give me a wide shot and lock it down for just a second so I can appreciate what's going on here. And all of the stunt work, all of the the work that they did in the action, uh, you don't get to appreciate. And it's like that was the only part of the movie that was actually redeeming. The rest of it was just boring present-day vignettes that were just like, we're going to put you in a machine, and now we're putting you in the machine. Here's how the machine works. Also, this is why we're putting you in the machine. Okay, here's here's five seconds of the – okay, now we're back. That was it for two hours. I, I really hated it. Wow. That's so crazy <laughs> the more, because... The more I talk about it, the more I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So many people play these games. Nobody wants to play as Desmond in the game. They want to play as right, that's Altair like, I, or... Jeremy Johns mentioned this in, in his movie review today, uh, which I just watched. When you go to the store and you pick up a new Assassin's Creed, it doesn't have Desmond on the cover. Yeah. The character in present day. It has the assassin. It has Enzio on it. Enzio and, and Altair and all those guys. That's who you want to play right. as and that's who you want to see on the screen. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's something inherently difficult about video games to translate into a movie? No. Why then? Why did they often? I know you say there there has been a good video game movie. There's been two because yeah. you say what Mortal Kombat. Which Mortal I'm Kombat. curious which because there's so many that don't work. But which two do you think have Mortal Kombat? And I honestly, you guys are gonna hate on me, but I think <laughs> Warcraft is a good video game uh, movie. Ah, no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> I I I do not agree. <laughs> I, I know nobody. Um, I I I would say I would say Prince of Persia was was enjoyable. I'm not familiar with the source material. From what you're telling me about Assassin's Creed. What this company did with Assassin's Creed is what they did with the Prince of Persia franchise as far as taking their, you know, liberties with whatever they want with it. That's why a lot of people hate the Prince of Persia movies because it was nothing perhaps, like the game. Perhaps that's true. So what I you're saying is I should go and see it. <laughs> no, I think it's the opposite. I, I, honestly, no, I would, I would strongly suggest waiting. If you're a fan of the games... I think it might be worth checking out. There are some moments in it that are enjoyable and certainly reminiscent of the game. That's so I, unfortunate. It's too bad because, like, Jeremy Irons and Marion Cotillard and, and, and Michael Fassbender, like, these are good actors. Give yeah. them a real script to work with. I just wonder I just wonder if there's something diametrically different about a what makes a good video game, uh, you know, like playability, those kind of things, and what makes a good movie – that makes this a little more difficult than, you know, adapting a book or, you know, something like that. Well, here's what it is. Whenever you're playing a video game, you immerse yourself in that protagonist. You become them. So if you're watching a movie and you don't feel that same kind of connection to the main protagonist of the film, that's whenever you're going to lose that sense the of you connection. you about the game? Exactly. Because yeah. whenever I'm playing Uncharted, I am Nathan Drake. I'm making all of his decisions. I go through everything he does. As opposed to a movie, whenever you're watching a movie, you feel a sense of separation most of the time. Yeah, with the yeah, it's like it's it's like when I'm uh, I'm going to go to my my video game library. Uh, when I'm Mario <laughs> and I'm in, you know, Super Mario Galaxy or something and I'm flying between planets, it's totally different than watching that on a screen. Like watching that on a screen would be you know, kind of boring unless there was something intellectually stimulating about it. But when I'm playing it, it's like I'm doing it. So yeah. there's, I think there's something different there. So you're saying the Bob Hoskins didn't cut it for note. you, huh? No. We had a few good uh, suggestions in the chat. Uh, Tron was mentioned. I actually could get on board with that being a good video game movie. Although I don't know, was Tron a video game before it was a movie? or did no. it, So it was a movie the Tron, first. The Tron bikes were, it was a game after the movie came out. Uh, Last Starfighter was mentioned, but Ass. again, that's not actually a video game. It just is about a video game. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about video game to film adaptation. Yeah. And the other one that was mentioned was King of Kong Fistful of Quarters, which is a phenomenal movie, <laughs> but is, is also not necessarily adapting King Kong to a oh, movie. So I love it. 
Well, uh, as mentioned in the comments, maybe the Tetris movies will break the streak. So Hey, we got five oh, of them? Yeah, four, we've got plenty four, of them coming up. How many? Four or five Something Tetris like movies that. coming out? Yeah. Uh, that is that is sad to know that uh, that it was not good. Um, you know what? No. I, I gave it, I scored it a three out of ten. It was one of my lowest ranking. It's one of the lowest ranking experiences I've seen at a theater this year. Because I am so excited to talk best ever challenge sci-fi movies, yeah. let me just do Sing yeah. really quickly. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I disagree again, apparently, with the critics. It's like a 71% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. I hated it. I thought it really? was awful. Oh, I man. Thought the only, oh, good. I thought oh, the good. Only, I'm glad you said that, because I thought it looked dumb. <laughs> I The only thing that saves it is the music, which is, you know, it's just like, mu- great music is great music, whether an animal is pretending to sing it or not. So, like, you know, when those, when those tunes hit... You're like enjoying yourself, but the but the story is every single story you've ever seen before. There's nothing new about it. It's uh, the humor is much more DreamWorks and much less Pixar. If that makes sense to you, it's much more you know. Yes, uh, who did make it? Uh, it's actually uh, Illumination. Okay, which is I was gonna say the, the minions, minion and, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I didn't buy any of the voice talent, um, with the exception of Seth MacFarlane as the mouse. Every other one felt. Like somebody standing in a studio reading lines and then paste it onto a character on screen. I just had a really bad time with it. And oh no! So uh, I, I I think it's the definition of a kids movie. You know, there's a difference between an animated film and a kids movie. This is a kids movie. You know, kids may have a blast at this, but I just couldn't. Yeah. Do you think that this it's, it's, movie like relied too much on people's enamoration with like the voice and American Idol and stuff like that to? I guess get people I mean, to go just, and see it. I mean, that's the that is the very flimsy plot skeleton that it's built upon. But it, I mean, that's what it is. it's American Idol with animals. It's animal okay. Animal Idol. Maybe so, then it would have been amazing. Aaron does have the ability to hate animated films. <laughs> that's right. Usually, wow. I love animation. Can confirm, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. All right, uh, let's move on to a very exciting conversation, our best ever challenge about science fiction. Uh, This could be its own podcast. Very well (laughs) could be. Like, you know, the fact that we've got... I feel like we should should have some some quick thoughts today, and I feel like we all have essays to write on this topic, so maybe we do want to take a rain check and really explore this in detail, but for now... Just top three from each of us, and we'll try to keep it short. Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll just keep it quick, and we'll start Andrew with you. What's your number three? Interstellar. Oh, interesting. Good choice. Good choice. Yes, Good choice. Interstellar coming lo- in at number three. Here's how crazy this topic is. I love Interstellar. It's not in my top twenty. I have a top twenty here. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, if you were given, Whoa. hey. You should have let me know, man. I could have, I could have brought my top hundred. No, we're just doing top three. <laughs> yeah. I just mean for me, like in thinking about it, I had to really think about you know my mm. best ever sci-fi movies. And Interstellar is great, but it's you know. I actually went on my top one hundred movie list of all time, and I just grabbed okay, that's, that's the what highest ranked one. That's, that's what the I second, did. and that's the third. So that's what I did. That's what I did too. So okay, so yeah, coming at number three, Christopher Nolan, one of his best masterpieces ever. I'm not gonna lie. Initially, when I saw this movie. I didn't think it lived up to the hype, but every single time I watch this movie, I like it more and more. It's a, I and think that's it's a great the movie. the only movie I can really think of where the more times I've seen it, the more I've actually loved it to the point I think this movie is brilliant. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. What about you, John? I, I only watched it the... I only watched Interstellar the one time, and I immediately was like, best movie of the year. This is the greatest thing I've seen in since pretty much The Dark Knight. It, was, it floored me. Uh, so I, while I love Interstellar... Uh, my number three would have to be. I wrote it down and I already forgot my space. Um, <laughs> let's go. Let's go with Children of Men for my number three. Oh, good choice. Again, not even on my list, but that's a great film. You know what? This is the movie that everybody and their mother thinks is a brilliant movie that I just don't like. You don't get Children of Men. I don't really. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Everybody's like, "How can you not like Children of Men?" And I'm like. <laughs> It can be an acquired taste. Alfonso Cuaron has a And that's like, I love his that... movies. Gravity is brilliant. <laughs> but for some reason, Children of Men just did not grab me. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed I was, it. I, I, I haven't choice. seen it. I haven't seen it in many, many years. So maybe rewatching it as I've uh, matured and grown older, I would maybe knock this down a point. Uh, and there's plenty of movies to throw in my top three, but I wanted to grab kind of an oddball choice. And I, I like the, the concept of, of world removed from fertility where no one can have kids the human race is doomed to extinction yeah. as soon as the youngest person dies and it was um 
or as soon as the the last person uh, grows old. And it was a very interesting concept. And I think the visuals, the like those long, long like eight or ten minute shots that are famous from this film without any cuts or edits. Uh, just from a filmmaking standpoint, it's groundbreaking from the cast. Uh, just loaded with excellent talent like Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Michael Caine, and Chiwetel Ejiofor before he was really a big name and won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of great people in it. It's a really cool concept. And it just, uh, more than anything, it gives us a realistic uh, and dark glimpse of our future while still maintaining a little bit of hope. And I kind of like that. I, I like the world building. It was very interesting to me. My number three uh, is from a director that's already been mentioned. Uh, it is Inception is my number three ah. science fiction movie. Um, I, great one. I love Inception. Um, I I get that there's a lot about it uh, that people can pick apart. I just it is just such a crazy, brilliant meta level experience uh, with the way time works differently and the different you know uh, layers and you know the the way the the bookends of the movie I found to be absolutely brilliant. Uh, the conversation you can have after about what really happened, what's going on, all that stuff uh, has some of my, you know, sci-fi staples. So that would be my number three. Uh, I would call that movie ambitious. Yeah, that's a good word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are we up for number number two? two. What do you got? This movie came out this year and it's my number two sci-fi film of all time. It's Arrival. It's Arrival. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why people have asked me, why do I love this movie so much? It is on your list. Yeah. But not... Not in my top three, but it's sure, on sure. the list I have in front of me. Arrival is one of the most unique, original, incredibly brilliant, and just the twist that happened in the twists that happened in this movie are unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yeah. Again, the way this movie works with time, and I know you particularly, Aaron, are very particular when it comes to how time is worked into a movie. Maybe that's why you loved Inception so much. Yeah. But wow, this movie floored me and i think it's the closest this year for me that i gave to a 10 i gave it a 9.6 so it's the closest to a 10 that's that's pretty incredible it reminds me of another movie that's on my list uh that i'll just go ahead and mention now it's not in my top three which is uh, 12 monkeys mm-hmm. is another movie that deals with time in really interesting ways that that is one of my favorite sci-fi movies so oh yeah uh what about you john what's your number two the greatest sci-fi action movie of all time Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Whoa! Good has call. To make, has, to, has, to, Good call. has to make any list. <sighs> I, it sounded like it sounded at first like you were um, shocked by my pick. I'm just no. shocked at how many great sci-fi movies there are that I didn't even think to put on my list. Like I yeah. just I didn't <laughs> even think about T2. You feel bad about but leaving them off. Am I wrong though? Is it is not it not all. a great? No, it's great. You are not wrong great. at all. I mean, this is. Uh, I grew up in this era. I'm a bit younger than you, Aaron, and this was for me one of the first. Uh, R-rated movies I ever sort of um, stuck to my friend's house to watch. So I have nostalgic memories of it. But it is just wall-to-wall one of the greatest, most cohesively made action films ever made. And the sci-fi premise of the time-traveling cyborgs pitted against each other in present-day 1990s Los Angeles is just a recipe for success. The entire movie is is flawless, for lack of a better word. And I know there's probably mistakes in it, but uh, James Cameron has proven time and time again he knows what people like and he delivers it. Uh, so that one, that's an easy pick for me. That's always been like, I've bought that movie on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. I, I love that thing. Same with me, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> don't, I don't care what you say. <clears throat> I don't care how much of it's nostalgia. I don't care. I don't care. Star Wars A New Hope is my number two. I love that movie, and I will till the day Wait, why I die. Would, why did you think we were going to give you crap for that? Because, yeah. it's, because it's, I mean, it's cheesy. Wait till you hear my number one. I mean, I mean, I, the only thing I would give you crap for is that technically it's not science fiction; it's science fantasy. So no, I feel like it should be disqualified from this discussion. But uh, I, I think on on most uh, lists, it sort of counts as science in some respect. It's in the future. So how would you how would you distinguish fantasy from fiction then? Uh, it's based in reality. I mean, Star Wars has ma- literally has magic as like a, a defining plot. Oh, point. okay. Uh, so um, if whereas where have... oh, Star, Star Trek is fiction because it's based in sort of our galaxy. It's based in our timeline, our future with actual – it might be implausible, transporters and replicators. But sure. it's based in technology, whereas Star Wars is literally based in these people have magic powers. 
And that's all there is to it. So let me ask you. I don't, I don't they're buy the midi chlorians thing. Like we, can forget, <laughs> we can forget that ever happened. <laughs> let me let me ask you this then. So a movie like which is another one on my list, not in my top three, but a movie like The Fifth Element would that be science fantasy instead of science fiction? No, that's. I think that counts as fiction. Because I don't. I don't. I don't even know if I can qualify the difference. But to me, that seems like fiction. Where Star Wars is sort of famously science. Oh, it fantasy. seems like there's a lot of magic. In I'm with. Fifth I'm actually Element. with Aaron on this one. Yeah, mainly because in, of my in number what respect, one. That, that, <laughs> what, what's your number one? Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I have to make the case for when, Aaron when in doubt. <laughs> when when in doubt, I'll just check IMDb, and it lists the Star Wars franchise as action, adventure, fantasy. There you go. Not as mm. sci-fi. Oh. And, and that's usually what I go to as a, as a as an arbitrator on all things movies. Is IMDb that's interesting? No, that's I love that. That's a great discussion. That's a great distinction. I'm, I'm glad to have had that conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's a technicality, and I have Star Empire Strikes Back is my second favorite movie ever. Um, but I specifically chose not to mention it in my top three. Uh, because I feel like, eh, it's kind of fantasy. Thinking I'm now, I think I know what Aaron's number one's going to be, and I'm excited to see if I'm right. But uh, what was... Okay. Do you want to talk any more about New Hope? I, well, kind, of, I kind of, like, no, 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 overtook no. you there. Well, let's just say this, since you said Empire for your number one. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of get why. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And I love it's Empire. But I can never put Empire above A New Hope. Really? And, yeah. It's, we did the other day. It's uh, well, We did as a group, though, but if you remember in mine, you know. <laughs> really? I, uh, thought, I, love, a new I ho- thought you said Empire was your number one on that list. Maybe it was. I think it was. I don't know. I, I just a Empire new- is the better film, but I think A New Hope deserves more credit because it started it. Yeah. And I think whenever you're ranking trilogies, you have to sort of get – if it's a tie, I think it has to go to the inaugural installment, if only because this is the one that created the universe and this introduced us. Whereas Empire already had and it, it had a running start. It had all of the greatest characters already hand delivered to it when the first scene began. I thought so I had when a you new don't hope have to do all one. that. Maybe not. When you don't have to do that pesky world building, sequels can improve. That's why T two is better. That's why Spider Man two is better. That's why The Dark Knight is better. It's because they kind of got all that world building out of the way, and you can focus on story. Yeah, no, that so makes I, which 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 doesn't just which doesn't mean these movies aren't the best moment of the trilogy, but I feel like inherently. It kind of feels like they got a head start. I think for me, um, I think what I thought my ranking in the Star Wars was, I think you guys had A New Hope so much lower than me that we had it, we eliminated it like at number four or something. Because I think my list was A New Hope, Empire, and then Force Awakens. Like, I think those are my top three right now. Something like that. But it's, you know, we can go back and listen. Somebody will remind us. Absolutely. What's your number one, John? Um, Back to the Future. My favorite movie. Yeah, I've got that on my list, too. Uh, that is an easy pick for me. Again, this is uh, – it's not like the esoteric sci-fi. It's not like a thinker. It's a comedy. Uh, but it is one of the – it is, for me, in my, in my book, the most enjoyable movie ever made. It is just the kind of thing I can turn on at any point, no matter what my mood is, and I will instantly uh, be hooked to the screen, follow every minute of all 119, and, and just have a good time. Be entertained, laugh, whatever, and it is – uh, uh, perfection in yeah. the cinema. I love Back to the Future so much. There's no, nothing wrong with it. I, I I love that movie. I disagree that there's nothing wrong with it uh, I, <laughs> because again, it goes back to my my time travel, uh, you know, time stuff. I just get distracted by paradoxes and those kind of things, and I don't think Back to the Future handles time well. But I don't think it has to to be a great movie. And so. the title doesn't make sense. <laughs> Uh, my number one. I which have written down my prediction Andrew, of what Aaron's number one Andrew is. Andrew has written down a predi- prediction. Okay. I will read his prediction first and then tell you uh, if he is indeed correct. His prediction is The Matrix, and he is indeed correct. Yeah! That is my number one sci-fi Woo-hoo! movie of all time. That that was like my number four or five. That yeah, was really cool. I, Jurassic Park was also an honorable mention. Yeah, Jurassic Park it was, was my honorable, honorable mention. mention as well. Yeah. Um I but yeah, Matrix. I love the Matrix. I I will never forget the first time I saw it. How how much it blew my mind. It's easy to forget sometimes because of how many movies have aped a lot of what they did. Uh, but it was a completely unique experience. Um, the first time you know when it came out and seeing it, and not only that, but it was intellectually stimulating through the whole thing. It did this beautiful thing where. It never laid its metaphor on so thick that you couldn't have your own interpretation of it. 
and yet it laid it on thick enough that it was meaningful. And that's a really difficult balance to have sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- I like the way you described that. I, I just I, well, and, and that's the, because that was the failure I think of the sequels was the metaphor right. got laid on too thick. It got and too then, philosophical. Yeah, and then and then it was like, well, uh, you know, I don't have room for my own, you know, to see my own way through it because you're telling me exactly, you know, what it has to be. Metaphor is, I think, often at its most beautiful when, when it finds that balance. And The Matrix, I think, found that balance perfectly. Honorable mentions? Yeah, I can, I can run some. You want to run some of yours? Well, because I forgot that Jurassic Park is technically a sci-fi film, yeah. and it should have been my number two on my list then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's 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 interesting. We probably maybe should have qualified earlier. Uh, I feel like Matrix is probably the best pure science fiction film ever made. I think Interstellar is certainly in that conversation. But Terminator, it's more action than sci-fi. Back to the Future, it's more comedy. Star Wars is more fantasy. So there's certainly like a lot of these things fill in two diagrams sure, of, sure. of you know the Venn chart. Whereas Matrix, I feel like is 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 like a pure science fiction story from front to start and it's excellent for that would you but, count uh, some other honorable mentions would you count um, alien gravity science alien fiction? i feel like is more horror or more action even okay. yeah. but again it, it it it's certainly sci-fi but there's a lot of elements of those other two yeah um and there's a lot of action in matrix as well but i feel like that purely adheres to science fiction first action second and there's not a lot of other movies i can think that qualify go ahead John. at least in the in sort of the realm we're talking about the movies that are like top echelon uh total recall is great uh minority report uh, yep. the martian edge yep. of tomorrow yep. all these are fantastic films uh you mentioned several on my list uh here's the honorable mentions that i had uh arrival was mentioned minority report was mentioned galaxy quest one yes. of my favorites. Yep, love Galaxy Quest. I love Galaxy Quest. I, uh, I actually had that on here too. Back to the Future was mentioned. Is Ghostbusters science fiction? Uh, Again, that's probably more like comedy fantasy. Okay. All right. I had, there's, there's elements. There's elements of it. So I had uh, Wrath of Khan on my list. Um, that's solid. I, I like the Star Trek reboots a lot. I like those more than any of the original ten. Uh, cont- so I, w- I would probably include um, Into Into Darkness in, in a list like this. Sure. Sure. Uh, Contact. Uh, Independence Day, Men in Black, yes. Uh, Gravity, uh, I think was mentioned. Gattaca, I didn't hear anybody mention. I love Gattaca. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Fifth Element, I mentioned. Jurassic Park, Iron Giant. Does that qualify? Vin Diesel's Iron Giant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he is. Uh, Vin Wally, Diesel is Iron Giant. Did you know one? that? Well, that that was my final one. I was going to mention was Wally. Uh, would would probably. It, Wally was almost my number three, but Inception just beat it out. So. Uh, here's some uh, honorable mentions: uh, Blade Runner, District Nine. Yeah, uh, did we mention? Oh, that's actually a really good one. Did we mention Minority Report? Or yes. Primer. We mentioned Minority I, Report, I did, but not just Primer. Briefly. Okay, Moon. Yeah, that's a good choice too. Yep. Looper. Nobody mentioned Serenity. I have to throw out Serenity. Absolutely sure. Um, then probably Sunshine, RoboCop, Total. Uh, you mentioned Total Recall. Yeah. Um, Everybody's all up on Donnie Darko, but I'm not. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, would you count that as a I, sci-fi film? I thought of it, and, and for me, if it's a comic book movie, it's a comic book movie. Okay. Like, I just, I That's, fair. I think I, That's fair. I feel like Avengers, Iron Man, they, they are technically sci-fi, but they sort of exist in a separate... A separate category. Yeah, they're their own thing, I think. Okay, that's fair. That's all I had. There you go. What a great conversation. A- I, Ava- I, I really like Avatar. I, I feel like Avatar needs mention. Yeah. Even though I feel like I love it more than most people do. You know, it was funny because I, I guessed it on a podcast recently about the best movies of 2009 uh, when Avatar came out. And of the four of us, the other three just hated Avatar, and I was kind of like cowering. I, I loved it. Cowering in the corner, I'm the, going. I'm like the only one I know um, that gave it like a ten out of ten, though. Um, that's just I, me. I think there's good stuff there. Um, I really I, like Avatar a lot. I mean, I get why people hate it. You know, they feel like the story is you know regurgitated, repurposed, that kind of thing. But man, the world building in that movie was incredible. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, I just I, I thought I, and, I've, kept and it. I've mentioned this before in its defense. Uh, that I don't think any experience in cinema has ever compared to the first time I saw that in 3D on the big screen. It was the most visually impressive piece of filmmaking I had ever seen. It was just like, wow. Yeah, I think that's I was, fair. I was like literally breathless. There was a couple scenes where they're crawling through the floating islands on beanstalks. And I yeah. just like remember having goosebumps over my body. Like, James Cameron, you have teleported me to another planet. And this is in f- fantastic. 
And that's yeah. what you said during um, your review on uh, CinemaSins, wasn't it? That you thought that you were actually transported to Pandora yeah. and you wanted to go back. I wanted to go back, yeah. yeah. Uh, a- Avatar is the first movie I've ever seen in IMAX 3D. So oh, nice. it, that's why it holds it a special cool. place Probably in my heart. Probably the one to see in 3D. Uh, let's do real quickly our buried treasure. Um, Andrew, why don't you start? Mine's charity, actually. Yeah. It's, it's just this, in general. It, it's the season of giving. Just you know? giving to things. So, uh, did a charity this year for Christmas. Uh, there's a charity called Heifer International, and uh, what the charity does is you can donate specific amounts of money and buy livestock for people around the world. So, I bought an alpaca for a kid named Carlos in Peru, and he's going nice. to use that alpaca to make milk and butter, and he's going to take he's going to shear the wool to make clothing and stuff for his community. And then once the alpaca has a baby, it gets donated to another member of that community. Super cool. You can buy, like, oxen, chickens, llamas, rabbits, and stuff for people all around the world. My sister bought uh, education for a little girl in Argentina, I think. And I thought it was... I'd never heard of the uh, charity until recently. Super cool. I wanted to let everybody know about it. Very awesome. Uh, I wondered if maybe that was you who was responsible for the giant cow that was in my yard the other day. Happy Heifer Day! <laughs> so yeah, you can go, I think it's heifer.org is their website. Uh, heifer spelled H-E-I-F-E-R. Very cool. So, yep. What about you, John? See. You, John? Uh, my Buried Treasure is a, is a song that I discovered uh, last week when I watched the movie Streets of Fire for the first time. It is a bizarre and unique cult classic of 80s cinema that mixes sort of the 50s greaser movement with neo-noir punk visuals has a who's who of before they were famous people like Willem Dafoe and Diane Lane, Amy Madigan, Rick Moranis. The song that opens uh, the movie Streets of Fire is called Nowhere Fast. It's by a band that doesn't exist created just for the movie itself. And Diane Lane um, lip syncs the opening. It's just sort of under the credits. Uh, But it's catchy. It's like a a big upbeat uh, pop song in the style of Meatloaf written by the same guy, Jim Steinman. And it's just catchy. It's a fun 80s pop rock song that opens up like a really bizarre and unique Interesting. movie that most people probably haven't seen. It's just – it's so catchy. I've had it playing all week, stuck in my head. I love the thing. Very cool. My Buried Treasure is uh, a movie I just saw on one of the screeners I got this year called Don't Think Twice. Uh, it's by Mike Berbiglia, um, and it's about a imp- an improv comedy troupe. Uh, the girl from Community is on there. Uh, was her, her name Jillian? Yeah. Uh, and Keegan Michael Key in this. As yeah, well. yeah. Keegan Michael Key. Um. So yeah. So uh, good cast. Fun concept. Interesting. I think they shot a lot of it improvised. Uh. But I was surprised at how deep the emotion in it was, and that's one of the things I always love about a movie like that when it can bring both an interesting uh concept as well as you know some real human drama. So. Some you know something you might want to check out there as well. Nice. So has Keegan Michael Key sort of um, has he won whatever proverbial race he was having with uh, uh, what's his name Jordan Peele? <laughs> he, I mean, I, I think I feel like for a long time people are always going to wonder like which one of these guys is going to break out, and I feel like it's it's Key, right? He kind of well, Jordan has, has that horror right film now. coming out next year that I'm super stoked for. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. I think to know you know how their careers go. <laughs> also, they just did Keanu together, and they were amazing so in it. So, so funny! It was a fun movie. I don't think they're done working together by a long stretch. No, so. Just because their show no, I, is gone, I, 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 mean... I certainly hope not. But it seems like Michael's getting Michael seems to have more visibility in projects as of. I would agree with that, but I don't think that either of them is trying to outdo each other. I just think that they're just oh, no, trying to make not. good content. It, just, it sort of happens that sometimes. One guy ends up more famous than the other, and you can't. Whatever happened to the guy that was on Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks? It's not Tom <laughs> Hanks, that's for sure. That's just, you know, some guys, some guys go on to great things, other guys don't. I don't even know the other guy's name. Buddies. Well, you know, it's not that people, you know, some go on to great things and other go, you know, don't. It's that they go on to great things that aren't as visible. <laughs> you know, like you yeah, never, you never know enough. what's happening. You know, it's just a matter of uh, visibility sometimes. Um, well, I think that's it, guys. Woo, we did it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Sif Pop, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed. That's at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's Mixler, M-I-X-L-R.com slash Studio DNA. 
Huge thanks again to today's guru, John Paula. Hey, thank you so much. John, uh, what well, do you, I, I what always do you feel like people? whenever I'm on the show, I end up just running overtime 30 minutes and <laughs> we have to cut su- subjects. So no, thanks for having all. me on and letting me ramble. No problem. What do you want to send people to? I don't really care at this point. It's the end of the year. Go have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Hey. <laughs> just, just be thankful. Just be thankful you survived the end of 2016. And if you must, and if you must fill your free time with mindless free youtube content uh, head over to jogwheel.com there you go much love and gratitude as well to our patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible support starts at three dollars a month comes with some pretty fun perks including your own dedicated podcast feed where all the exclusive pre-shows and bonus shows show up automatically that nobody else gets to listen to but our patrons so uh, you can check that out again at patreon.com slash studio dna also if you want to rate comment do all those things that you can it's your podcast player of choice. Uh, we appreciate it, especially if it's iTunes, because they use that information to promote the show to other people who might enjoy it. If there's anything else you want to say, any interaction you want to have, you can always email us. Uh, our email is feedback at sifpop.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.